This praise and worship team's got me tore up. <laughs> I'm married to the greatest mother in the world. <laughs> we watched the little video there a while ago, and uh, they mentioned adoption. My granddaughter went to school one day. My wife was a widow when I married her. She had three kids, one girl, two boys. And uh, my granddaughter went to school. She come home, said, Mom, talking to my adopted daughter who asked me to adopt her. And she said, uh, I got a friend that everybody's making fun of because she's adopted. And her mom looked right back at her and said, well, I tell you what to tell her to do. The next time they make fun of her, you tell her to look at them and say, my mom and dad chose me. Your mom and dad had to accept you. <laughs> We've been adopted into the kingdom of God because God chose us. You hear me? Now, I don't have anything real deep today like some of our speakers have, but if you've come for me to entertain you, you're going to be real disappointed. But if you've come to expect the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart, I think you'll hear, hear something that's good for you. Okay? I, I'm not here to be real technical. I'm here to encourage you. That's, that's basically what I do is just try to encourage people from the word and I'm going to try to encourage you with the word this morning. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, we just thank you and praise you for your love, your blessings and all that you do for us. We thank you that your grace far extends our understanding. Your mercy far extends our comprehension. And Father, we thank you for those things this morning because of your love. And Father, we ask that you impart to each and every one of us what you desire to impart to us today. Let your Holy Spirit speak to every heart in this house. Let us grow and mature and become all that you desire us to be because of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Now, Father, we ask that you bless each and everything that's done in this message and each and everything that's said. Let every heart be enriched in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, the title of my message today is Hope, Our Anchor. Um, I got a son that's in the Coast Guard and I've seen some of the vessels he's been on from time to time. He's been on everything from a 25 foot to a 270 foot vessel. And on every one of those, they have an anchor. And every one of those has a different size anchor. It doesn't take the same size anchor for a 25 foot as it does for a 270 foot. Uh, the anchor's there to, to hold the ship in place. And it's, it's usually made out of something heavy and it's made heavy enough to hold whatever it's hooked to. So a big ship has a big anchor uh, tied to a chain or fastened to a chain and they drop it so it'll stay in its, its uh, the place where the captain wants it to stay. Today you need to understand that you're the captain and the anchor is, is our uh, promises from God. And I'll tie those two together here hopefully in this message, but uh, hope is, is our anchor of promise. 
Don't forget that. Hope's our anchor of promise. So keep the, keep the purpose of the anchor in mind as we go through uh, what I want to go through. Um, I believe everyone listening to me today wants to be able to do all that God desires them to do. I believe everyone, and I'm really, I'm really blessed with how many of you are here in the sanctuary today, I, but I believe every one of you come for something special from God today. I believe we come into a sanctuary on Sunday morning expecting something supernatural to happen in our life. That revelation will help us to grow and bring us to a place of maturity where we can walk uh, victoriously in the will of God. So I, I think every one of you want, want and desire to see God's purpose manifest in our life. I want to do what God wants me to do, don't you? And the reason I come to church is to be equipped so I can do what God wants me to do. Now I'm gonna read from the Amplified Bible this morning. I hardly ever preach from anything other than the New King James, but this morning I, I'm double-barreled. I got two of them. Uh, but I'm gonna preach from the Amplified Bible uh, and I'm gonna to refer to some things in the uh, New King James, but, but I, I got to read in the Amplified version of what I wanna to talk to you about. and It's just so good. Uh, it just brings everything to uh, understand. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Hebrews 6, and I'm going to read from the uh, Amplified Bible. Verse 12 says, In order that you may not grow disinterested and become spiritual sluggards, but imitators, behaving as do those who through faith by their leaning on the entire personality, on God in Christ, in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom and goodness, and by practice of patient endurance and walking are inheriting the promises. Let me read, let me read it again. In order that you may grow, not grow dis, disinterested and become spiritual sluggards and imitators, but imitators behaving as do those who through, spirit, through faith by their leaning of the entire personality of God in Christ in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom and goodness and by practice of patient endurance and waiting are now inheriting the promises. I said when I started this morning that the anchor is, is an anchor of the promises of God. So we need to put our anchor down with the promises of God. Remember, we're the ship. So it, it, it says a mouthful there in that verse, and I can't spend a whole lot of time on each verse this morning, but, but, but it says just don't become lazy. Don't become disinterested. I heard a sermon one time several, several years ago, and the title of the sermon was, uh, Don't Get Used to God. I, I got more to say. I'm just trying to let you set, let that soak in. Don't get used to God. Don't get used to coming to church on Sunday morning, just expecting the same old thing to happen, and you never get anything out of it except a, a feel good that you can walk out the door and say, well, I went to church Sunday morning so-and-so should have been there with me. No, you need to get something out of what God wants you to get something out of. 
You don't need to become lazy or used to being a Christian. Verse 13 says, for when God made his promise to Abraham, he swore by himself, since he had no greater by whom to swear. God swore to Abraham. We know what happened to Abraham. His faith became his righteousness. Uh, and God swore to Abraham he would do something and he could swear by no greater. 14 says, saying, blessing I certainly will bless you and multiplying I will, I, I will multiply you. Verse 15, and so it was that he, Abraham, having waited long and enduring patiently, realized and obtained in the birth of Isaac as a pledge of what was to come with God, which God had promised him. Abraham went through a long period of time when he lived on God's promises. He had his anchor set with the promise that Abraham was gonna become the father of many nations. Sarah couldn't have children. They tried to make it work with the, uh, someone else, but it didn't work. But God had promised and Abraham kept believing in that promise. Folks, there's not a person in this room today that doesn't need something from God. If you don't need anything from God, you should be up here and I should be down there. There's not a person in this room today that doesn't need something from God. And we need to get a promise out of God's word that's in our heart, not just something that's in our head, but we need to find a promise in God's word that becomes part of our heart so that we can hold on to that promise and be anchored in that promise so that we can see what God wants uh, to happen in our lives come to place, come to manifestation. We need to start standing on what the word says instead of being discouraged by every little thing that comes against us. I can only picture Abraham sitting in the corner or sitting under a tree mourning because he doesn't have a, a, a child when God's promised him a child. I can, I, can hear, I can hear Abraham's negative thoughts saying, this is never gonna happen. It's been five years, it's been eight years, it's been 10 years, it's been 15 years, it's been 20 years. God told me this, but his, his flesh says it's, it's just not gonna happen. But Abraham trusted God. We've got to learn to get the promises out of the word and stand on those promises. We have to be anchored to those promises. We can't let loose of those promises. Dave, we need to create some promises that we're gonna trust God for and not give up on. It may not work out like you want it to work out. It may not be like you want it to be. It may not be an answer like you want it to be answered, but we need to find some promises and get anchored to those promises so that we can see God manifest himself in our lives. And he's willing to do it. Quit listening to the negative junk that we create in our hearts and in our minds that says, well, it ain't gonna happen. Think about poor old Abraham for 25 years. He, he kept living with the promise that God had given him. And God swore by himself because there was no greater to swear by. Verse 16 says, men indeed swear by a greater than themselves and with them in all disputes, the oath taken for confirmation is final, ending strife. 
we have an attorney in, in the house this morning and he, when two people make an agreement or a contract, one person gives their word to another person on a piece of paper and signs the, the contract and the person doing the work or whatever it is doesn't fulfill the contract, then we have a voice greater than ourselves to settle the dispute. Are you with me? Everybody understands. Okay, look at, look at the next verse. Accordingly, God also in his desire to show more uh, convincingly and beyond doubt to those who were to inherit the promise and the unchangeableness of his purpose and plan intervened mediating, mediating with an oath. God gave an oath. He was mediating what was going on between God and man. The next verse says this was so that, listen, this was so that by two unchangeable things, there's two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath, which it is impossible for God ever to prove false and deceive us. We who have fled to him, do you hear that? We who have fled to him for refuge might have mighty indwelling strength. Ah, look what he gave us. We who fled to him might have mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp and hold fast the hope appointed for us and set before us. So we who fled to him, we have indwelling strength. We don't have to give up on a promise. Now I, I, I look back at some of the things I've been through as a Christian and I'm, you know, my flesh says, oh, let's just name it and claim it. No, it's not. It's the promise of God. What God says he'll do because no, there's no greater than himself and he can't lie. I believe it's in Numbers said it's impossible for God to lie. God doesn't lie. We give up. Does anybody in this room ever give up? I have. He's, he's, he's in, implanted in us a strength that we can't get out of ourselves. He's implanted in us a confidence that we can't get through our flesh or through uh, our common sense. You can't reason God out. I've got a family member that, that uh, <laughs> he, he's a great guy, but he tries to reason God. And he, he's told me before, he said, Louis, he said, uh, I've gone to church and, and I've sat in the, the sermon and I've heard, him, I've heard him give altar calls and I've heard him talk about what Jesus done and I've sat there and I've cried. And I've cried. But he tries to reason how Jesus could die and him be forgiven of all his sins. You can't find the strength or the endurance that God gives you through reasoning. It has to be by faith. 
you can't find um, the confidence to see God's promise coming to pass through reasoning. Listen, I was a good sinner. I enjoyed sin. Y'all hear me? I was a good sinner and I enjoyed sin. When I start trying to reason how Jesus 2,000 years ago could be born of a virgin, die on a cross, come out of a grave on the third day and done all that in my place, took the cross in my place. He didn't take it for me, he took it as me. And for Jesus to get on a cross and take my sins on himself as me so that I could become spiritually alive, it don't reason out. But the day I accepted Jesus into my heart, it just seemed like something, a floodgate let loose and I didn't care whether reason was involved or not. I just knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that what God had promised, it had just happened. And you can't dispute it. You can find fault in me. You can find shortcomings in me. You can do whatever you want to analyze me, but you can't refute the fact that Jesus Christ lives in my heart. We try to take people who don't live as holy as we do. Come on. We try to take people who don't live as holy as we do and we try to judge them and think Christ don't live in their heart, but you're not authorized to do that. You don't have that kind of pay grade. The only person that had that kind of pay grade died on a cross in my place. Y'all hear me? So we, we, we've got to understand that God done all this not just so we could go to heaven, but so that he could impart strength and endurance in us to be able to see his promises come to pass in our life. I about lost two of my kids today. I got six kids. I about lost two of my kids this winter. My son had a major heart failure, ended up in Charleston in the hospital for six days. My daughter ended up in Huntington in a hospital. They took out 60% of her colon. And they were, the doctor looked at my daughter the other day and said, when I saw you, I thought you were gonna die. But I to declare to you right now, you're gonna live. But when they took her to the hospital, we couldn't go see her. We couldn't go see my son. So, so we got in prayer and I refused to release the gift that God gave me. You hear me? I refused to release the gift God gave me. My kids are God's gift to me. Your kids are God's gift to you. We gotta refuse to do without anything that God's promised us. I refuse to release it. 
I may look crazy. I may sound crazy. You all may think I've lost my mind. But if I'm going to claim something, I'm going to claim it based on what the Word of God says and just leave me alone. You can't reason it. You can't reason it out. But God's promises are real. God's promises are real. He talked about two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath. They're unchangeable. In which it is impossible for God to ever prove false or deceive us. We who have fled to him for refuge might have mighty indwelling strength and strong encouragement to grasp hold of faith, of grab hold fast the hope appointed for us to set before us. Two immutable things. So, verse 19, this is the anchor to what I want to talk to you about. And I'm running out of time. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. We have this hope, this is verse 19. We have this hope, a sure and a steadfast anchor of the soul. It cannot slip and it cannot break down under whoever steps out upon it, a hope that reaches further and enters into the certainty, to the very certainty of the presence within the veil. I said that hope is the anchor, our promises to God. It says there that it's a sure, steadfast anchor uh, of the soul. It cannot slip, cannot break under, uh, down under whoever steps out upon it, a hope that reaches further and enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil. I'm trying to decide what I need to leave out. Listen. Hope is the anchor or the prom of the promises of God. The scripture tells us that hope's the anchor of our soul. It is what is supposed to keep our focus in the right place. Remember I talked about the ship being held in a certain place so that it can't go anywhere. The winds and the waves may move it a little bit, but it's going to stay in the general area. Your doubts and fears may move your hope a little bit or may move your ship a little bit or may move your heart a little bit, but it's not going to get out of place as long as you hang on to your anchor. You follow me? Uh, it'll help you overcome challenges and reach your dreams if you're anchored in hope. No matter what you face, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That's, that's a promise. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That day I got down on my knees and accepted Christ even though it didn't reason. Jesus moved into my heart. You can ask my little grandkids where Jesus lives. They'll say it's in my heart. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I don't, I don't have to worry about what people think of me. Y'all hear me? I don't have to worry about what people, if I want to claim something, I don't care what you think of me. It's none of my business what you think of me. If I want to claim something, I'm going to claim it. 
It's only important to me what God thinks of me. Y'all hear me? When we anchor in hope based on the promises of God, nothing will move us out of the place where we need to be. Now, I guess the big question is what are you hoping for? Do you need a healing? God still heals. Amen. 10 years ago, Stuart come to my house and got me. Pastor come to my house and got me. And uh, I held on to him until I got to the car. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the brick street up the back way of Ronsford, but Stuart passed a car on the brick street to get me to the hospital. <laughs> I just had to close my eyes because I'd had a stroke and I couldn't see right anyway. Everybody was driving into the front of the car. So I just had to close my eyes and get to the hospital. But they told me I was going to have to learn to walk and use my hands and do all these things. It was on a Tuesday afternoon. Most of you know this. A lot of you know this. And, and I was all discouraged and disgruntled and, and kind of defeated. And there was a young uh, guy, a resident from the O school in there. And he said, Mr. Moyer, do you mind if I pray for you? His name was Jeremy. I'll never forget his name. I don't think as long as, long as I live. And he prayed for me. I, people all over the world were praying for me. And, and they took me up to a room on a Tuesday afternoon telling me I was going to have to learn to walk. And on Friday afternoon, I walked out of the hospital by myself. Yeah. God still heals. 2018, I took her to the same hospital. She was blue. I don't mean sad. I mean, she was blue. And she couldn't breathe and she had passed out and I had to lift her out of the car into a wheelchair and take her in and they put a vent in her and we rushed her to Roanoke and the doctor looked at us about two weeks later. She was in there for three or four days and the doctor looked at us a couple weeks later when we went for a checkup and he said, what caused that uh, stress-induced heart myopathy to happen? It's nothing. Sunday night after church, we went to bed and it hit her. He said, well, I've never seen that happen to anybody without something stressing you, but I've also never seen anybody recover as quickly as you did. So you can't convince me God doesn't still heal. So what do you need today? Do you need a healing? Do you need a financial miracle? Do you need someone in your family to be saved? Whatever it is that you need, you need to find scripture to support the promise of God in your heart and you need to anchor that scripture to yourself so that you can see it come to pass, whatever it is. It might be little, it might be big. Uh, if you need direction. But your hope has to be based on the word of God or the promises of God. Find what God says about it and believe what he says. Look at it this way. And I've, I've talked a little bit like this, but you're the ship Hope's the anchor that's full of the promises of God. But faith is a chain that holds the hope in place. Pretty simple, huh? Not very deep, am I? Pretty simple. It's just faith that holds the anchor in place. And when you're hooked to the anchor, your ship's not going to move. It's going to stay there focused on the promises of God. 
You can't give up because of what people say. You can't give up because of what your negative thoughts are. You can't give up because it don't happen the way you want it to happen, but you have to get anchored in the promises of God. When you have the thoughts of doubt and you're, you're beginning to pull up your anchor and you begin drifting and, and getting discouraged and getting defeated, uh, you lose your vision, you lose the idea of your promise and you think God's not gonna do what he's promised he's gonna do. All of us have done this, folks. It's, this is nothing new to you. I'm just trying to encourage you that God's promises are still real and alive. You hear me? All of us, all of us know these things, but, but we give up so easy. First time something happens, we start calling everybody to pray and it's good to have people pray, but God answers prayer. He'll answer your prayer. I don't know who prayed that I would be healed, but I was healed. I don't know who prayed she would be healed, but she was healed. I don't know who prayed to keep my kids alive. I don't know who gets the credit for praying. If, did you ever see those people say, I prayed for you and you got better, you know? <laughs> and they have no idea whether it was their prayer or not. <laughs> But they're still patting themselves on the back. I prayed for you and you got better. Yeah. You didn't make me better, God did. You hear me? You lose your vision, your promise. Proverbs 13 and 12 in the New King James says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's what happens to us. When, when hope gets deferred, our heart gets sick and we start doubting rather than believing and we give up on the promise that God's given us. Faith is what connects us to our anchor. Hebrews 11 and one in the New King James says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That word hope's a big word in scripture. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Sometimes we can't see a reason to be hopeful. Sometimes it seems everything's dark and dreary. We don't have a reason to be hopeful, but I'm telling you, the word gives us hope because the promises of God are in that hope. Don't put your hope in circumstances. You can't let the circumstances that you find yourself in rule your life. Don't put your hope in people because they'll let you down. Do you hear me? Don't put your hope in people. They'll let you down. I said at the beginning of this sermon that if you come to, for me to entertain you today, you're going to be disappointed. I'll let you down. But I will say something that will encourage your heart. Uh, don't put your hope in your performance. Do you understand that Christians all over the world today are putting their hope in their performance? Have you ever said to God, God, I need this. God, I need you to do this. God, I need a miracle in my life. But I've not been praying like I should be praying. I've not been reading my Bible like I should read my Bible. I said a bad word to Karen the other day. I discouraged her. I gave her this and I said that to Dewey and blah, blah, blah. And I start, I start uh, gauging what God's gonna do for me by my performance, by a bad performance. You can't, you, can't, you can't judge what God's gonna do to you 
by performance because you will let yourself down. You're people, right? We're all people. I said you can't trust people. You can't put your trust in people because they'll let you down. Joseph, Joseph believed his dream would come to pass and he moved from a pit to a prison to a palace. That's a pretty successful dream that he held on to. David saw Goliath as much larger and much stronger than himself, but David knew that if God is for him, no one could be against him. When you find yourself consumed by worry, full of doubt, thinking things are never going to work out and uh, recognize what's happening, you're pulling up your anchor. Your faith's not strong enough to hold the anchor and pull it up. Think of how Abraham felt, what he dealt with for 25 years. The good news is, is that you put your anchor uh, back where it, you can put your anchor back where it belongs. Quit dwelling on the negative thoughts that arise in your mind and your heart from time to time. Dwell on the promises of God. Thank God for the promise that's on its way. Do you hear me? Thank God for the promise that's on its way. How many of you, when you have a need, pray to God and don't then expect that God's going to do it? I think all of us do. I think we go through motions without expectation. I know nobody else in here does that but me. But you have to dwell on the promises of God. Thank God for what's on its way. It's not just being positive, it's keeping your anchor down. It's keeping connected to your anchor. Now, Hebrews 6 and, and uh, 19 or 20, I'm going to reread 19 and I'm going to read 20 because I want to bring you into this. It said, we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It cannot slip and it cannot break down under whoever steps out upon, upon it. <coughs> a hope that reaches further and enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil. I want you to get that within the veil. Verse 20 says, where Jesus has entered in for us in advance, a forerunner having become a high priest forever after the order with the rank of Melchizedek. Now in Romans chapter eight, verse 29 through 34, I want you to get this. This is the, this is the, should be the faith that hooks the boat to the anchor. We just talked about when we anchor in hope, we move in beyond the veil to where Jesus went ahead of us to represent us. In Romans 8 and 29 through 34, 29 is one of pastor's favorite verses. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined 
<coughs> to be conformed in the image of his son. Let me, let me start over. I started being a dry preacher. I had to get some. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, are you predestined? Whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall uh, bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Listen is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. He moved in behind the veil, or we moved in behind the veil. When Christ died, the veil was torn from top to bottom. Christ went in ahead of us to represent us, and it says right there, every time I pray, he intercedes on my behalf. <clears throat> is there anybody in this room that believes the Father don't answer the Son's prayer. Think about that. If he intercedes on my behalf, he's going to the Father for me. I think he goes to the Father as me. Now, let me clarify something. Every little idea that we get and every little tangent that we get on is not something that comes from God. What I'm talking about is what God puts in our heart to believe for. And what God says in his word that we're to believe for. But it says there that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for me. I love it when everybody prays for me, but I really love it because I know that Jesus prays for me. You hear me? Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who, who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nothing shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. <coughs> we need to put our anchor down. We need to hook our faith to the anchor. We need to let the anchor be the promises of God and we need to stand on the word and be all that God wants us to be. Stand with me. Can, can any of you comprehend how much God loves you? 
Can you comprehend how far his grace reaches into your life? How abundant his mercy is? All those things are beyond comprehension to me. And God gave us the word to be able to know his will in every situation. And when we find that will in his word and we get anchored in that word and we have faith in that word, it may not happen as quickly as you think it should happen, but God will honor your faith and your standing on the word of God.